What the hell is going on here? This is, uh, this is Bill, my CIA double. You have a double? Yeah, sometimes we need decoys. You know, for dangerous missions. Or your parents' anniversary. Or Steve's baptism. You let me throw myself at a complete stranger? Not a complete stranger. We took that cooking class together. Look, I only did this because I wanted to go to the dance with the homecoming queen, and I didn't want you to be mad. That is so thoughtful. Come here. Now say goodbye to your kneecaps, Stan! Honey, I know you're upset, but I also know you never shoot an innocent man! Damn it, which one of you is Stan? He is! He is. Oh, fine with me. I'll just shoot you both. Okay, okay. This has gone on long enough. <sighs> Francine, I've been a fool. All this time I thought I was special because I married the homecoming queen. But turns out I was special because I married you. Not because of some stupid crown. Oh, I'm so sorry, honey. I love you so much. Nice try, Bill. Stan would never say anything that sweet. Ow! What the hell, you crazy bitch? Hey, Bill. Come on, that's my wife, man. is the bad place. Welcome to Welcome to Storybrooke. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And uh, this is book seven? Eight? Book eight, The Not-So-Good Place, or... Season five, episode 19, Sisters. Okay, so we actually had a difference of opinion on this episode, which does not happen very often. I was so bored. I, I was checking how much time was left so many times when we were watching this episode. Really? I've... I've never seen Dynasty, but this is sort of what I imagine Dynasty is like. It was very high camp, high drama, big hair, everyone talking very dramatically. It leaned real heavy into soap opera. I mean, it wasn't explicitly terrible. I just wasn't that invested in it. I think maybe that's the problem. Because we know what happens with these women in the future, which is the past of the show... I'm not as invested in what happened to them as children, especially since then it was erased from their minds. Also, how do people, how do the characters in this show not have brain damage considering how much induced amnesia happens over the course of this series? Magic. It, it's magic. It, it's hard to oh, argue with that. Oh, a wizard did it. <laughs> yes. Or in this case, a witch. Yes. So as a reminder of what's happening thus far... Uh, Zelina and Hades are sort of in a kind of relationship. Apparently everything he's been doing this season, all of the nonsensical, I don't want these people in hell, but I want these people in hell stuff was to get Zelina to like him. Yep. Hades is in love with Zelina, except that he's not in love because he doesn't have the ability to feel love because Zeus stopped his heart so that he could be god of the underworld. So he needs to have true love's kiss except that he can't love. But once he has true love's kiss, he'll be able to love again. But the show doesn't understand how convoluted this is because instead of referring to it as him not being able to love, they said his heart is stopped. But we're in the land of metaphor, so what does that mean other than he can't love? So if he can have true love's kiss, doesn't that mean that he's already capable of love and thus doesn't need true love's kiss? And isn't that the whole point of the Wizard of Oz, where Zelina's from? So shouldn't you just tell him that and then everyone can book it out of there? Okay, so this is kind of a side thing, but you know what this got me thinking of? What? Glinda? Like, a lot of this, sadly, a lot of the show from this point going forward is going to be about redeeming Zelina and that's sort of the subplot of this episode about how Regina can't let her sister get into a relationship with the god of the underworld because it'll stop her from being able to walk the path of redemption or whatever so Zelina can be redeemed but Hades can't and so she shouldn't feel love, even though love is this magical thing that lets people be redeemed, if it's for someone who's a villain who can't be redeemed, even though his whole goal is to feel love. I'm just saying they should give Glinda a shout out and maybe try to get her out of that weird winter dimension Zelina stuck her in. 
Yeah, it seems like she would be a big help in all of this. A, she'd be a big help, and B, it's kind of a giant asshole move to, oh, we know that there's someone who's stuck in this winter dimension, and I guess we could do something about it, but... uh... Wait, does anyone other than Zelina know that? Yeah. Oh, right, they saw her in the winter dimension in the frozen season. Well, in in the Zelina season, they went to ask her advice on how to beat Zelina. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what? They beat Zelina after that. Why haven't they tried to help Glinda at all? You know, I think the Storybrooke crew is just too distractible to be heroes. We're not even past the recap. Sorry, the other big thing that happened is that Belle, who is pregnant, whose child is being threatened by Hades, decided, fuck this shit, I'm just going under a sleeping curse until Rumpel fixes it to put my pregnancy on hiatus. So I know sleeping curses put your body on hold, and I know we've talked about this a little bit, but is the fetus contained enough within her? So, I mean, obviously it won't age, but couldn't he still do the mystic mumbo-jumbo that Emma did as the dark one to get her baby? I feel like he should be able to. He's a god, but it seems like gods are less powerful than dark ones. Well, especially Greek gods, who are really just more like a specialized kind of wizard. Hmm. Isn't that kind of what's what the deal is with Norse gods, too? Yeah, yeah. So mythological figures are really just specialized wizards. Hmm. Oh, also, Hades punished Korra by making her a, a miller again. Yes, Korra was the mayor of hell for like an episode at the beginning of the season. But then she failed to get everyone to leave before Hades decided that wasn't what he wanted. Yep. We open the episode with Hades and Zelina driving in a car. I I thought it was Cruella's car at first, but it's not. It's just a... uh, It's not Cruella's car. It's just a different fancy car. And uh, it's playing a song I didn't recognize, but it had a very... It seemed thematic. By the Inkblots called I Don't Want to Set the World on Fire. Zelina and Hades are in this car, and they're driving out to the middle of nowhere, and we see the shovel in the car. And then Zelina is disappointed to learn that the shovel was to build a fire so they could have a picnic and not to, like, exhume or dehume a body. Okay, wouldn't she be worried that Hades would be making her dig her own grave? You know, dig your own grave and save? I think she knows that He loves her too much? Or he needs her, at least. Right. But instead, it is a haunted picnic. I really like the picnic basket they've got. It has this strap that has plates and spoons and forks, like, strapped in on the top of it. I bought that picnic basket for my sister for Christmas one year. Yeah. Yeah. God, I just, I, I don't even know how to recap this because nothing happens. Hades is like... I want you, and I want to be with you, and also I trapped all of your enemies in hell, so it's all good. Yeah, and he points out, he's like, I know you have a complicated uh, relationship with your sister, but come on, come on. Dudes before sisters? Misters before sisters. Come on, misters before sisters. Selena goes home. And Regina has been sitting up waiting for her. She's like, young lady, do you have any idea what time it is? Okay, see, but that this is the thing I love about this episode. Because Selena's like, uh, you're you're not a good sister and you're not my mom. And Regina's like, I am your sister and I am your mom and I don't want you seeing that boy anymore. If you're going to live under my roof. If you're going to live in a facsimile of the town i created you're gonna follow a facsimile of the rules i create Zelina's like you don't even know what i was up to don't even pretend and regina's like i'm a witch i was watching you in this hand mirror and then there's this amazing moment where she shows Zelina the hand mirror so that we see the scrying she was doing turns it back to herself fixes her hair and then puts it down this scene is basically a lot of Zelina and regina sniping at each other And filling in each other on established backstory, they really don't trust us to have been paying attention, do they? Well, I was so bored during that first scene, maybe they just thought they needed to wake us up. Zelina's like, Zelina reminds Regina that she was abandoned by their mother, and Regina reminds Zelina that, you know, living with their mother wasn't any big kicks. And then Zelina tries to throw Regina's boyfriend in her face because Regina is dating a villain as well, which was actually something I wanted to talk about. All right. 
Regina is dating Robin Hood, a character who in no incarnation is portrayed as a villain. But Zelina... Uh, I think you're forgetting a little movie called Shrek. But Zelina... (laughs) But Zelina views him as a villain because he is a thief. Hmm. Granted, he did break into her house and try to murder her that one time. Okay, she... She killed and then impersonated his wife in order to perpetuate rape by fraud on him. Point. But it highlights, by ignoring, the fact that in this show, we're expected to accept characters as villains or heroes based on the stories that we know and not based on their behavior in the show. Zelina is actually looking at Robin Hood and identifying, oh, this is villainous, he must be a villain. And then contrast that with Hook, who does nothing villainous, but we're meant to assume that he's a villain because in Peter Pan, that's how he's portrayed. Well, he didn't do anything villainous in the past. I will remind you that the season opens with him attempting to send the entire cast to hell. Yeah, a time when we're, by the way, supposed to be thinking of him as a hero, so... Zelina is kind of riding this train because Regina's like, well, we're all walking a path of redemption and Zelina's all, oh, so the path of redemption's good for me and for you and for your boyfriend, but it's not good enough for my boyfriend. Which is accurate. Yeah, I guess, but I'm like, wait, when was Zelina walking a path of redemption? I know Regina got a bug up her butt about not just murdering her, but I mean- She's been basically unwilling hot. Like, best case scenario, she was Spike mid-season four. I mean, she actively told people that if they let her go, she would kill them. Yeah. And then she's been literally stabbing them in the back every chance she's got. Okay, so she's Spike at the end of season four of Buffy. Basically. I do think that we're supposed to see Zelina's need for family as a need for redemption, because in this show, those things are pretty synonymous. Yeah, I'm, Regina's real redemption started when she accepted becoming a charming. <clears throat> you know, I think this is part of my problem with this episode, which I'm going to bring up now because we're about to go into the flashback. The flashback of this episode takes place when Regina was a child, and... Zelina and Regina had a relationship, and by the end of this flashback sequence, Cora will erase both of their memories of it. Mm-hmm. Which has to happen, because if this had happened and they remembered it, this would be a pretty major retcon from the way they behaved when they first met each other. Mm-hmm. But this is also a kind of after-the-fact motivation for the way Regina acts towards Zelina wanting to be her sister. So... If they had behaved slightly differently when they did meet, if this had always been part of their story, but we, the audience, hadn't known it, the way they behave towards each other right now, where they're wanting to be sisters again, would actually kind of make sense. But putting it in and then having it erased and then having them remember it again at the last second of this episode, so it, so it after the fact justifies the way they're behaving, I'm just... Eh. So, eh. so we cut back from Zelina going off on one of her rants. When have you ever cared about me? Blurp. She actually says, when have you ever wanted a sister? Which is a nice flashback to sad, lonely Regina. Played by the same child actress who plays young Rebecca Bunch in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Okay, that distracted me so much after you told me it. It is distracting. She is a very Rebecca Bunch. And she's doing the same character as young Regina that she does as young Rebecca Bunch. Well, they're both, they're both, as Paula put them, class A mom pleasers. It's true. They do both have kind of the same issues with men, too. Yeah. So young Regina wants to play with her mom, but her mom's like, look, honey, I used to be a filthy dirt farming peasant. And now I'm an evil magic queen, so I have to go around ripping out people's hearts and setting them on fire, or otherwise I might become a peasant again. And Kid Regina's like, eh, okay, that tracks logically. So she starts snooping through her mother's stuff and finds her mother's wand. Have we really seen 
Cora use a wand that much. We have not seen Cora use a wand. Also, this is a very Harry Potter wand. Also, this is disturbingly essentially exactly like a child finding an unlocked gun because she finds the wand and then almost immediately accidentally messes up trying to create a sister for herself and, you know, blasts yeah. herself. So this is technically Regina's first spell. I mean, is it a spell when it backfires so incredibly poorly? I want to know how she's, she, she's been holding a doll this scene and she decides to make the doll into her sister. So she points the wand at the doll, opens this weird purple energy thing, which knocks her back and puts her into a coma, a coma with very, very specific terms. It is specific terms, but she's trying to summon a sister and the portal that she opens that blasts her looks a lot like the portal that Selena's going to use to get to Regina. So I think that's what happened. I think she opened a, or at least partially opened a portal to Zelina that she couldn't control. Oh, I thought she was trying to turn the doll into her sister. She was, but I think uh, that because that of the way she was, was feeling wanting a sister, that's what the magic did. Okay. I also want to point out that the reason she was able to get the wand, we find out when Cora and Henry, God, I forgot his name. Old Henry. When Cora and old Henry come in and find unconscious Regina, the reason that she was able to get to the wand in the first place is because although it was locked up, it was locked up with blood magic. So Regina got it no problem. And listen, there's all sorts of people you want to keep away from the wand, but one of them is your small child. So blood magic was exceptionally stupid. Yeah, I mean, I get locking it with blood magic so no one else could do it, but also, like, put it on a high shelf so your kid can't get to it. Right? Anyway, in the present, Regina's in the charming loft telling the rest of the Storybrook crew what's going on with Zelina and Hades. And David is all shocked that Zelina is in love. And you know what, David? Someone fell in love with your milk toast ass, so don't be so shocked. Yeah. And Hook offers to murder her. And David's like, uh, Hook, we don't murder people since when, David? And Regina's like, well, I think all we have to do is make them stop loving each other. And she's like, and I know one person who's really, really good at destroying love. My mom. I mean, she doesn't say my mom, but obviously that's where we're going with this. So we go down to the under part. So we're not in super hell, but we are in the lower part of hell. The bowels of Underbrook. Where Zelina- Under Underbrook. Under Underbrook. Where Cora is working as a Miller. Miller. Yeah. I know you really want to say Miller's daughter, don't you? I do too, but- but her father is nowhere to be seen. She's just a miller. She's milling grain into flour. And the minions in hell are just making her do it over and over again, even though what need do people in hell have for flour? Well, the uh, blind witch is making a lot of children pies. She probably needs a... Uh... Oh, yeah. You need to flour the children. So in one of the bales of hay... Cora sheafs of wheat. Sheafs of wheat. Uh, Cora finds Hook's hook, which remember remember way back during the original Cora plot, where Cora enchanted Hook's hook to be able to rip out a heart once. Yeah, apparently that's just a superpower his hook has now. We've seen it rip out more than one heart, and she takes the hook and she uses it to cut off the cuff that's been stopping her magic. So. Hook just has a magic hook now. I guess. I mean, he has for a while, but... Also, is that the same sort of magic-inhibiting cuff that Pan had? So I guess that wasn't actually made out of advanced technology, which was, I know, bullshit anyway, but... Maybe it was the very same one. Maybe the cuff had a soul and it died and went to hell when Selena ripped it up and, uh... Yes, maybe that's what happened. It doesn't matter. What matters is that Korra uses it to cut off her own cuff, blast the demon minions, and go meet up with Hook. I mean, they're human guards. I was trying to figure out whether or not the death clock went off because one of them is black and she blasts them both with magic, but not in a way that's necessarily fatal. Nah, I think she just pushed him back. I wouldn't count it. Yeah. So the show's been doing a good job with that. It's been 
since I think Merlin actually. And even though we didn't watch season seven, we were going to on our vacation and then we didn't. Um, I understand that by the time we get to the sequel season, it's much better. So I feel like maybe a lot of people were complaining online and the writers kind of picked up on that. It's nice to see people seeing complaints about lack of diversity and including more diversity instead of doubling down and getting mad at their fans. Yeah. Back in the past, Cora has gone to the Land of Oz to find someone who can cure Regina because it has to be a blood person. Okay, because the terms of this coma are redonkulously complicated. This is a mystical coma that can be fixed, but only by somebody blood-related, but not somebody blood-related who was mystically associated with the wand that put the person in the coma. This is a really, really specific coma. Yeah, they worked really hard to get Regina into a situation where she needed Zelina. So Zelina is stacking wood outside of her father's crap shack when she's like, you know what? Fuck this. I've got magical powers. And she just whoops the wood into neat little piles in the wood shack. And her father comes out and is very angry that she has been wicked using magic again and threatens to beat her. But luckily, Cora is there to freeze him. Okay, so I know we talked about this some last time this guy was a character. I'm going to talk about it some more now. Dude. I mean, that was several seasons ago. Okay, like, dude, you live in a country that is run by four magic women. Four magic women rule over this country. And the guy in charge of your local, I don't know, provenance, the wizard, is also a magic user. Magic use is fairly common in this world. What the fuck is up your butt? Maybe he's part of some radical sect that opposes magic, and maybe specifically because people in charge have it. Hmm, I could see that, like an equalists thing from uh, the first season of Korra. Yeah, exactly. I mean, does it make him less of an asshole? I don't get this whole thing. Like, his he only adopted this kid because his wife wanted a kid. And his wife is dead, but he's not just dropping her off at the Oz orphanage or whatever. I mean, I guess he's getting labor out of her, but he's mad when she's efficient at the labor. I mean, is there a part of him that does think of himself as her father who does think he can get her to stop being wicked, even though he's terrible and ends up creating the Wicked Witch of the West? I mean... Imagine, if you will, that she had had a good family, and then she shows up, and she sees Regina, and Regina's life with Cora, and she's like, wow, dodged a bullet there. I mean, hell, imagine if her father had been the one who died, and she was just raised by the lady who actually wanted a baby. (sighs) Zelina's backstory is super tragic. It does make me understand why there are Zelina fans, because she does have to rise above like four different terrible parents. Regina only had to rise over two terrible parents. Mm. So Cora freezes the dad before he can start wailing on uh, Zelina for using magic to help pile wood. And she's like, hey, so I have a daughter who needs help from a magic person who's not me. And I was like, hey, you're a magic person who's not me. Why don't you come to my fancy ass house and uh, get my daughter out of a coma? There is the delightful moment where Zelina asks Cora, are you a good witch or... And Cora's like, don't worry about it. It is pretty great. I will admit, there are a lot of great moments here. Maybe this episode just was too bloated for me. Mm. Back in Underbrook... Okay, I love this subplot. They have been ignoring the fact that David has an evil twin all season And it's finally coming in full force. And oh my god, James is hilarious. Yeah, James pulls up next to David, who's walking down Main Street with groceries. Do they... Sorry, side note. Do they need to eat? Well, yeah, because they're living. Okay. Because remember... Then where are... But who's making the food? To stock the grocery store since people who are dead don't need food. I guess Cora. That's what she's milling all that. uh... So his bag is just filled with bread. (laughs) Yep. All wheat products. 
Yeah. So James pulls up next to him in the sheriff's car. And he says, ah, <laughs> Shepherd, looks like you lost your flock. God. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm so sorry. But... Evil is not really a thing Josh Dallas can pull off. Oh, no. So, so this whole scene is deeply hilarious because it's David trying to talk down James. And David's all, Corella told me that you have hella mommy issues since our mother chose to keep me. And James is like, yeah, Corella doesn't get people. Like, you've met her, right? She's not really super empathic or whatever. Yeah, James says that he's not angry that their mother chose him. He's angry that... He's a footnote in David's story. He's angry that David got credit for killing the dragon. Well, he's angry David took his life. And David points out, and I mean, this is going to be one of the rare times when I say this, but David's got a point. He didn't tell James to get killed by that giant. Yeah, that's all on James. And plus, James killed a whole bunch of much taller giants. I guess they were peaceful giants. I guess it's harder to kill a not peaceful giant. James was 100% dead before David showed up and did anything. None of this is on David. But James is like, whatever, I'm evil. I don't give a fuck. And he tases David. Yes, that is pretty great. Also, I like the way this scene where Josh Dallas is being asked to be both sides of this conversation contrasts with Regina and Zelina having essentially the identical conversation, but with two amazing actresses. It really highlights the disparity in ability between Josh Dallas and every female member of this cast. And yet he's the one with a shiny new TV show. Which is going to last, like, ten seconds. Should we hate watch Manifest and do a one-off podcast that we put into this feed about it? Yes. And now that we've said it on the air, it has to happen. Yep. It's kind of funny because David tries to take out James, but James... Before he gets... Before he gets tased, but James just tases him. And also he's like, I'm dead! What's your plan, dude? Yeah. I mean, I guess we've seen dead people can be knocked unconscious, have we? I don't know. Anyway, James is like, okay, now I'm going to do the thing that people were wondering why I didn't do when I first met you and pretend to be you. Yeah, he's like, you've had your chance to play uh, Prince. Now it's my turn to play Shepherd. So is this, I'm sorry, is, is this the Prince and the Pauper? Yes. Yes, this is this is their retelling of the Prince and the Pauper story. So what makes this subplot even better is that James is terrible at being undercover as David. He is the worst at this, and yet no one realizes it. Like, he shows up to the apartment, and he immediately was like, Hey, Dad. And he's like, Hey, you're looking at a picture of your mom, huh? And she's like, Yeah, see, it's a picture of you two. And he's like, Oh, yeah, on her birthday? And I was like, What? No. Why would you volunteer information that you weren't being asked for when you knew you didn't have it? Yeah. I mean... Right? Seriously. And also, also, I know we're so beyond this at this point, but... Because he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. And I was like, wow, it would be really useful if I had some sort of superpower that would let me know when people are lying. Oh my god, we're so far beyond that, I didn't even remember that was a thing. Oh, God. Okay, and I just want to throw this out there. You can tell twins apart if you know them. I understand that twins can swap places if you don't know them, but this is her father. This is her father. I know she just met him five years ago, but, you know, that's a long time. When I taught middle school... There was a set of twins in my class, and after the first, like, two weeks, I could tell them apart, despite the fact that I went to a school where kids wore uniforms, Mm. and I still knew which one was which. Also, I know this isn't the sort of thing you would notice, but they they do make the effort to have James have slightly more facial hair than David. Yeah, he also has a slightly different haircut. It's a little higher and tighter. Mm. So anyway, back in the plot, Regina and Cora, Cora having been rescued, 
are having a conversation in Regina's vault, and Regina is framed to have a halo in this entire scene. I didn't even realize that's what they were doing, but you're right. Her magic mirror is behind her, and the mirror has kind of a crackle effect right now. So yes, she looks like a medieval angelic figure. She's the angel of my heart. And she's explaining the situation to Cora, blah, blah, blah. Hades and Zelina are together, blah, blah, blah. She knows about Zelina being her sister, blah, blah, blah. Cora needs to go there and be a giant ass wet blanket because that's her real superpower. And Cora's like, wait, Zelina's here? And not, is she dead? Yeah, I thought it was weird that she never asks if Zelina is dead. But apparently she's been keeping an eye on the situation and she's like, you don't need to give me any more exposition other than the massive amount of exposition you already gave me. I'm basically caught up. And yeah, you know what? I'll team up with you. I I hate love, so I will be totally cool with throwing some wet water on this relationship. She also says that Hades... I'm sorry, cold water. All water is wet. She also says that Hades has been in hell too long for love to redeem him. Hmm. That seems really contrary to the message of this show, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. This is another one of those seasons where I feel like if everyone just calmed the fuck down, it would be done with it by now? Yeah, there's no conflict. The conflict is, should Hades date Zelina? Oh my god. This, this episode is, is a soap opera, even more so than usual. Like, he literally, this whole season didn't need to happen. He literally didn't need to involve the Storybrooke crew in this situation at all. Well, I mean, he wanted to make Zelina happy, and her whole thing has been to destroy them, so. Well, as we discussed last episode, she's basically just been on the baby train since she had her baby. Well, so. and stealing the baby was the first thing he tried to do. He opened the portal to bring the baby to him. Quick refresher for our listeners. He opened the portal to bring the baby to him, but Zelina was on the verge of being able to steal it. So if he had done nothing, Zelina would have gotten what she wanted. Why was he torturing Hook? I'm sorry, I just... I lost the thread of what this season is supposed to be doing. In the flashback, young Regina is still unconscious, and she's being tended to by her Victorian ghost dad, and he assumes that Cora created another daughter out of dark magic so someone could cast the healing spell? Oh, is that what he's assuming? Because he's like, what dark magic is this when uh, Cora's like, hey, this is Zelina, she's gonna be here, she's here to, you know, wake up our daughter. See, I thought he assumed that she had done something dark to a previously existing child to make it able to heal Regina. But nope. Now, Cora goes into how complicated this is going to be and how it's going to involve a lot of time and effort and pointing at shit. And Zelina's like, wait, but I already know how to point at shit. Zelina's like, I'm only in this one episode, so I'm just going to heal her right now. Real easy. So she, uh heals regina and regina's like oh hey did, did you bring me a sister that's what i was trying to do i really have no questions about the magical coma i am just really happy to see another girl because i am super starved for female companionship a, an ongoing theme in this show also i don't think i don't think it's necessary for regina to have questions about what happened with the wand she was messing with her mother's magical item and it knocked her unconscious i feel like that's Pretty self-explanatory. Back in Underbrook, Regina and Cora are coming up with a plan that involves giving a forgetting potion to Zelina so that she forgets being in love with Hades. And Cora says, huh, you know, this exact river actually ran by our old house, you know, back in the Enchanted Forest. I actually used it to cast in a uh, forgetting spell once. And Regina's like, on who? And Cora's like, don't worry about it. And Regina's like, you know, Zelina's probably going to be pretty suspicious if you just come up out of nowhere like, hey, why don't you drink this? And Cora's like, don't worry about it. It's fine. She'll just be happy to see me. I mean, you remember what her plot was, right? Yeah, it was about how much she wants a mother, so it's fine. In another part of the woods, James pretending to be David is walking with Emma 
to find Robin. Yes. Turns out Robin is the one they bought the groceries for, which I guess makes sense. Sure, he needs food in the woods. So is there baby formula in hell? This, this is what I'm saying. What is the economy of hell? Robin comes up to pick up his food and... Okay, so Emma fills him in on the fact that Regina's going to break up Zelina and Hades, and he's like, she can't do it. That's too dangerous of an undertaking to do on herself. I need to be there to protect her. And Emma's like, really? Emma's really? like, just stay here in the woods with the baby and don't worry about it. But David, I mean, James takes this opportunity to we didn't mention it but he opens the scene by not knowing what they're doing how is emma not more suspicious of this her superpower must really be on the fritz well it's not going to be helped up by james slapping a power inhibiting bracelet on her and then grabbing her gun okay those bracelets are just everywhere down here i guess apparently by the way, not only is Emma's superpower of knowing when people are lying not working, her deductive reasoning is also a little sketchy because he slaps the bracelet on her, pulls a gun, and she says, Dad, what are you doing? You know James is a person down here. And she does finally get it. Yes, and she asks where David is, and James conveniently tells us so that we, the audience, are not concerned about... Whether or not David's alive. I think it's cute that the show thinks we'd be concerned with whether or not David's alive. But Seriously. Right. But James tells us he's locked up in the sheriff's station. Boo. And Cruella pulls up in her Cruella mobile and makes us all wonder why she isn't in this show more. She pulls up in her Cruella mobile with her amazing clothes and her awesome heels and is like how come everything you people do is in the woods then she tells james that mummy is proud of him and she'll show him how proud later walks over to emma and slaps her in the face and she's like that's for murdering me darling and i'm like why are you not the main villain of this show the, the spike of this show right Yes, she should be the main little bad that we come back to season after season. She's also wearing, and it's hard to tell because she's got a fur coat over it, but her dress is asymmetrical with only one sleeve. It's pretty cool. So their plan, Corella and James's plan, is to take Zelina's baby from Robin and give it to Hades because Hades loves Selena and try to use that as a bargaining chip to get out of the underworld, which, sure, okay. Okay, sure. I mean, it's not the worst plan ever. It's a pretty good plan. I mean, Hades is probably just gonna, you know, take the baby and send them both to super hell, but, eh. I mean, I think the real problem with the plan is that for it to work, you're depending on James, who's basically David who died easier. He's, yeah, he's less competent David. Right? Ugh. James is like, yo, woodsman, toss me the baby. And Robin's like, hey, I'm actually going to fire my bow and arrow for once. But it doesn't work because James is already dead. Yeah, James is like, okay, fine. Like, have you ever done anything useful with that? Ever? No, Robin has never been useful. Ever. Also, he kind of had to put down the baby to do that. So they just pick up the baby. I mean, it would have been better if he had just run, right? Yeah. Uh. Well, I guess Cruella had a car. No, she would have had to get to the cart. No, yeah, he should just run into the woods. I mean, I guess they could have shot him. I guess. Ja- James has a gun. Yeah. Anyway, it's a back. But, anyway- but then he could just keep running because they're in the underworld. Well, he would have been dead. I think he. I think you go back to the spawn point once someone kills you. Uh. Yeah. Back in Zelina's farmhouse, Zelina is staring at her dead flower that Hades gave her and thinking about how much she... Loves him, I guess. Sure. When Cora comes knocking on her door. And Zelina automatically recognizes her because, I don't know if you know this, but Barbara, Her- uh, but Barbara Hershey has been keeping it tight. Yeah, she basically looks the same now as she did 20 years ago. We cut from that reunion to child Regina and child Zelina Playing dress-up slash witches, witch battle? Yes. It's kind of funny because they're basically doing their fight from season three, except they're little kids joking at it. 
because Regina's like, fireball, fireball, and Selena's like, ice, throw you through a clock tower. That is what they're doing. That's actually super cute. They're also both wearing, like, they're playing princess dress up, you know, like kids do, mm-hmm. but they're, they seem to be wearing actual jewels, which is kind of cute. Yeah, because they're royalty. Well, because Regina's royalty. Right. And Zelina accidentally opens Cora's wand box, which I guess she took the wand out of it, and now she's just letting Regina play with it, but... Well, I mean, I don't think she was supposed to be messing with the drawer, but she did move the wand, yes. Seriously, Cora, your daughter just got out of a coma. Maybe put the wand box in, like, a different room. And Regina gets very excited about the fact that she and Zelina must be related, instead of worrying about what her mother's going to do now that she knows this, since, you know, her mother probably knew that they were related. Yeah. Also, I mean, they will eventually make the jump to sisters, but, like, she could be your cousin or something, I mean. Yes, but clearly Cora must have known about the connection when she brought her here. Yeah. So... Running to tell her that you've figured out her secret is a bad plan. Eh, she's a little kid. In Underbrook, we go back to Zelina and Cora's conversation. Cora's talking about how she just wants Zelina to be happy. She feels bad for, you know, throwing her into that tornado that one time. Now, to be fair, Cora has a heart again. Remember that all of the stuff that happened with Zelina happened when Cora had no heart. So presumably... She does, in fact, care about her daughter more now that she has her heart back. Hmm. Cora had a heart when she gave up Zelina. Did she? Because... Right, I remember now talking about how that whole firstborn child thing makes a lot less sense after we get the Zelina plot. Or it makes uh, Cora look a lot cleverer, because then when Rumpel would come to collect, she'd be like, Okay, fine, get your ass to Oz. Okay, so Cora did have her heart when she gave up Zelina, but I still am more inclined to believe her sincerity now that she has a heart yeah and Zelina's not super into this Zelina's all like so suddenly I think just because we're both in hell we're supposed to hang out and suddenly I'm getting everything I ever wanted because that's not really how my life's been going so far I mean Zelina has expended so much energy trying to get Cora to love her I feel like she would be more receptive to this yeah Cora tells Zelina that making it up to her for being such a shitty mom is basically her unfinished business. Yeah, at first she thought it was just Regina, but now that she spent time with Regina, she's realized, no, Zelina is her unfinished business. Okay, so question, does that validate the fact that her emotions for Zelina are real or make her motivation suspect? Hmm. I think you could argue both, honestly. Yeah, I suppose that's true. They're having a super emotional conversation, and everybody knows that during any super emotional conversation, what you need is a glass of water. So, Cora very conspicuously leaves the room to get a glass of water, which Regina is standing in the next room and just hands to her. We actually see Regina pour the forgetting potion into it. Yeah. And Cora brings the glass to Zelina, who sees through this ruse super fast. Like, way faster than anyone saw through James, by the way. Yeah. Zelina's like, okay, super obvious that you put something in this drink. Regina, get your ass out here. You're in the next room. I can probably smell your perfume from here. Regina's like, I was just trying to do what's best for you. And Selena's like, you no, know. that's dumb. You don't care about me at all. And Regina's like, I was just trying to give you your best shot. And Zelina's like, I wasn't here for that season. I don't know those arc words. Well, Zelina's like, you don't care about me. You never cared about me. And I'm like, excuse me, but the first time you met her, to your knowledge, you spent half a season brainwashing and trying to murder her? Like, boo-hoo, she doesn't really, like, where is this coming from? You're not the wronged party here. Except, I mean, Cora wronged you, I guess, but. I think you've just hit on the core of why I can't cheer for... Zelina's redemption the way I do for Regina's. Zelina treats Regina like she was betrayed by her, and that's not the case. So I just can't get past 
the way that the two of them have to mend this relationship where the wronged party is all on one side. With Regina and Snow, Snow did betray Regina. I know she was like a child, but she knew that she shouldn't have done that. And it resulted in Daniel's death. There's actually a reason for the Snow-Regina beef. There is no reason for the Regina-Zelina beef. Regina and Snow having to come together and form a family when both of them are aggrieved is a story I'm interested in. Zelina hating Regina for no reason and slowly getting over it is not something I'm interested in watching. Especially because the show has spent so long making me successfully convincing me to give my loyalty to Regina. And I'm not to pile on to Zelina here, but the whole, you never trusted me, you never accepted me, you never wanted me. She keeps on giving you chances and then you stab her in the back. Like she was the one who stopped everyone from murdering you at the end of the season where you were the big bad. And I mean, the reason that I'm harping on this is because Rebecca Mater is great. Yes, Rebecca Mater is a good actress. And Zelina is even a fun character if you take out some of her worst aspects. Outside of context, Zelina is a fun character. Exactly. So I just want to focus in on what it is that's not working for me because there's so much that should be working for me. In the flashback... Zelina and Regina are going to Korra with their big discovery. And Korra reveals that, yeah, you two are sisters. But the thing is, I kind of only need one daughter. And Regina, you are tactically way more useful than Zelina. So we're not going to be doing this. Zelina, you have to go back to live in your crap shack. Regina, shut up. First, she asks Regina if she wants Zelina to stay and be her friend and sister. And Cora tries to teach her that love is a weakness and that was a mistake. Which is not an effective way to teach a lesson since you're gonna erase her memory in a second. Yeah, she's doing a lot of talking about shit she's going to do and lessons she wants to impart considering she's about to erase their memories of this whole incident. Yeah, I think that might be one of the things that annoyed me about this episode. Knowing that none of it was going to matter. Yeah. The whole thing is bizarre because she's mad at Regina for wanting a sister because having a sister means that she's going to have to give up all of this and then she'll be living in rags. And that's not the case. Well, I I think, no, no, I think that if, if the king was aware that she had borne a child before Regina, she would be cast out, and so would her children. I think we might be a little past anything the king thinks mattering at this point. I mean, that is accurate, but that also seems likely to be what the law is. Yeah. I mean, you know, yesterday when I bored everyone at the party with a stor- with the stories about Anne of Cleves, my favorite of Henry's wives? I think everyone was into those stories. Oh, I'm glad to hear that you think that. But... One of the things I didn't mention, which, because I feel like it makes me sad, but I don't know. I don't know, Anna Cleves. I don't know how she lives. But I find it sad that one of the stipulations for her when she got her divorce from Henry was that she was never allowed to marry and have her own children. Because because she had once been married to the king, there would always be a question about whether or not they had any right to inherit. Because there would always be a slim chance i mean not really a slim chance but i guess rumors that Mm. they were actually the king's children Uh. and that's the same here right because cora bore children from someone else there's always going to be questions and suspicions about her own children so she cannot be married to the king anymore because her children cannot be in the line of secession so what she says to regina is not ridiculous other than as you say Old Henry is completely cowed at this point. Yeah. She summons the guards to drag Zelina away, which she does without saying a word, which means that she has a pre-established hand signal for the guards that means take this young child and throw her in a portal. Yeah, she just does this little hand gesture and these guys come and drag Zelina off. And Regina's like, I always wanted a sister. Remember that I always wanted a sister in case this becomes relevant later in life. 
I will always find you. And Selena's like, I wasn't here for those arc words either. She, yep, she, this is a big episode for borrowing arc words. These guys are having a lot of trouble dragging off a very small child, but. I don't know. Their center of gravity is weird. She's kicking and screaming and she's got magic. Yeah, she's not really utilizing that magic. She really should. That would have been a good time for her to utilize some magic. But Regina's like, I'll never forget this. I won't forget this. And Cora's like, no, you, you're going to. See, forgetting potion right here. But on some level, they must remember it because we cut back to the present where Zelina and Regina are reenacting the play fight. Except this time they're really fighting because Zelina is going to bone Hades, goddammit. And no long lost sister and or mother is going to get in the way of that. See, it, it's so be fun. <laughs> Especially because they both pop fireballs and they're like, you want to go? Let's go, bro. Come on, bro. Let's go, bro. And Cora just like does a little clenching motion with her fingers and both of the fireballs go out. And she's like, no, we're not doing this. It's actually really cute because Lana Perea like does a hand motion where she tries to bring it back up and can't. Okay, you know what? I'm coming around on this episode. Yeah, it's it's just... I feel it's it's kind of what I've been hearing people say about the new Venom movie, not to date this episode, but if you go in expecting it to be a good movie, it's not going to be a good movie. If you go in expecting campy fun, you will have a good time. I guess that makes sense. So... Cora makes them all hold hands and be friends again. It's and, great. And in doing so, she just magically is able to give them back all of the memories that she took from the flashback. And I hope you like flashbacks to things that literally just happened. Yeah, there's like a there's like a little blippy speed frame flashback to what just happened. And what a weird sensation that must be to just all of a sudden know that you had this relationship that you totally forgot about. Yeah. And Cora's like, so, see, you two had a afternoon where you were cool with hanging out once when you were both children, so shut the fuck up. Stop trying to murder each other all the time and shut up. But you nicer. Know you know what's weird? What? My memory's not 100% clear on this, but I think after this, Zelina does pretty much stop trying to murder them. Yeah, I think Zelina does actually calm the fuck down after this point. She still will stab them in the back, not infrequently. Imagine how much better this show would have been if at the end of the Zelina season, instead of killing her, except then not killing her, they had just gone to hell and gotten Korra, and Korra had told her to calm the fuck down. Yeah. There would have been none of that stuff with Maid Marian and Robin Hood. Yeah. God, and a lot of the King Arthur stuff would have been shorter. Huh. Selena's role in the show has basically been to drag stuff out. We really need more Korra is what I'm getting from this. Oh, apparently. Well, it's too bad that what happens in this episode is going to happen in this episode. Or not, depending on your point of view. So, Korra is having her resolution speeches with both of her daughters. Yeah, we need to feel like there's some sort of emotional catharsis so that we feel like it's earned when Korra moves on. Yeah. So she's like, Zelina, I'm sorry that you never had family or love. I should have been there for you. But, you know, eh. I wasted my life trying to destroy people. Maybe you should think about not doing that because all it got me was murdered by Snow White. That's both accurate and kind of hilarious. <laughs> and Zelina's like, what if it's too late for me? And Cora says, it's never too late for now. Which is weird because I feel like literally 10 minutes ago, she told Regina that it is too late for Hades. So, in the subplot this episode seems to have forgotten about for a very long stretch of time. Oh yeah, so apparently James and Cruella walked Robin and Emma to the River of Souls at gunpoint, which is a really far away from the forest. So they walked backwards with their hands up like two miles. Luckily, this gave David enough time to break out of jail, I guess, thanks to Hook, who has also shown up. They hit James in the back of the head, and Killian disarms Cruella and says you couldn't have used it anyway, which brings up a really interesting question. Like, I guess the author thing extends even until death. 
I mean, I guess that makes sense because it's not a curse. He literally rewrote her. What's weirder, though, is that when Henry wrote that bit about everything the author had done being undone, it didn't undo that. Or maybe it didn't. Hook just doesn't know what's going on. I think it just uncreated the reality the author created. Okay. Because, I mean, I feel like it would affect too much plot stuff if everything the author did was undid. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you think the show was worried about creating plot holes? <laughs> so, it's time for a clone fight. Clone fights are such a fun trope. Uh, James is all persnickety at David because... David's just trying to play the hero and he'll never escape the filthy sheep farmer. And David's like, I I can redeem you, I guess, or whatever. They're not going to do this effect. So I know that's not how this is going to shake out. David's like, let me help you move on. And James is like, I'm mostly concerned with making you move in a circle to confuse the onlookers about which one of us to shoot. Yes. James has been walking around uh, David in a circle And it turns out his unfinished business is trying to kill David. Well, I mean, he says that. I don't think that's really his unfinished business. I mean, I believe, I believe he believes it. So Emma tries to use her magic, but David's like, no, I got this. And then they're just kind of wailing on each other at the side of the dock. Well, I thought Emma pulled back because she was genuinely confused about which one was which. (laughs) Okay, so Corella's like, Jimmy. Jimmy, and James realizes he has a knife in his sock. Yeah, he had forgotten that he had an ankle holster with a knife, but he pulls it out. And David just throws him into the soul lake. Yeah, that knife did nothing. (laughs) James brought a knife to a throwing people into a river of souls fight. Okay, so I know this won't affect him at all because, you know, David's a sociopath or whatever. But David just is just standing by the edge of the river watching someone with his exact face being pulled screaming into a river of souls who are dissolving his body. Okay, see, I don't think you said this when we were watching the episode and I didn't say anything at the time, but I don't think this would mess him up as you as much as you think, because I don't think people are as conscious of how they look. I don't think... David would look at James and be like, oh, this guy looks exactly like me and I'm confused about which of us is which. Well, not confused about which of us is which, but like, I feel like seeing someone, even seeing someone who looked a lot like you dying in a really horrible way would fuck you up. Well, I mean, I think seeing your brother die in that manner would fuck you up. I mean, if you weren't a sociopath like David is, but I don't think the identical thing adds anything to it. Yeah. And then Emma tells him, don't worry, sometimes we just have to kill people. And David's like, who do you think you're talking to? Which is really weird because Cruella is like right there. If sometimes people are bad and we just have to kill them, what was all that mishigosh with Cruella? Down in the under underbrook. Cora's pulling an old Henry and milking her exit for all she's got. Cora already had resolution speeches with both Regina and Zelina, and now she's having secondary goodbye speeches with both of them. Yeah, she's like really making a meal out of it. Also, the bridge is there, but the light at the end of the bridge hasn't shown up so that there's suspense about whether or not she's going to go on to the good place, which is weird because we've never seen that particular configuration before, and it's like suspense. But not really because... I mean, I guess the last time was when Hook's brother got thrown over the edge and then the light appeared to save him. But that was only because that was the moment he was redeemed. Honestly, as soon as Korra was redeemed, the light should have appeared. But no, it decided to give us a little bit of, oh my god, is it going to happen? Is Korra going to go to hell or is she going to go to heaven? Spoiler alert for about 10 seconds from now, she's going to heaven. But I was just thinking about how awkward that would be for, like, old Henry and for presumably the stable boy. Well, I think one of the things about being in heaven is that you've let go of all the things that were holding you to earth, including your anger at all of the people who wronged you. So they're not angry at her anymore. 
They really go all out on the fake out because the fire hand appears and it looks like it's going to grab her, but oh no, the light banishes it away and she gets to go into light fog land. Honestly, you know what? This kind of pisses me off. They made it a lot more of a heaven or hell question mark, which is it going to be with her than they have with any other character up to this point. And uh, they're trying to create suspense, but I'm just annoyed. I'm just annoyed with them. But it is the good place, and Cora gets to go into the light while Regina and Zelina stand there, holding hands, watching her go, and Regina turns to Zelina and says, You met me at a very strange time in my life. Oh my god, yeah. And Regina's like, you know what? Our mother was basically the worst person I ever met, and she got to go to heaven, so if you want to bone Hades, fine. Go bone the evil out of Hades. Regina's like, who am I to tell people not to bone evil people? And Have fun. Yeah. And she's like, maybe you can change him. Like, see, anyone can change. So, fine. Do I, I mean, I, I agree with Regina here. Yeah. Go bone the evil guy. Yeah, maybe he'll let them all out. <laughs> right? I mean, the only reason he's holding them is because he wants to make Zelina happy. If Zelina comes back and is like, I got my sister's blessing. Let's go to Bone Town. And, you know, but... Let my people go. Yeah. So Hades has set up a candlelight date. He's lit a bunch of candles. He's playing that song from earlier. He set up this date inside of Granny's diner, or I guess Anya's diner, because this is Underbrook. And Zelina is watching him from outside, which reminded me of the many, many times that we've seen Regina outside Granny's watching people be happy inside. Huh. And she's stopped from going in by Rumpelstiltskin. He's like, I bet you forgot about me because I was just in the first, like, five minutes of this episode and haven't been seen since. He's like, hey, I'm super pissed at you for giving my wife a sleeping curse. And Zelina finds a place in my heart by saying, it's not my fault that she thought she'd rather be under a curse than with you. And Rumble's like, you know what? I think you just saw an opportunity to be an asshole. And you took advantage. So, you know what? I'm doing the same thing. And Selena says, you can't hurt me. We made a deal, which I... They did make a deal. When she was pregnant, she made a deal with Rumple that he wouldn't hurt her or her baby ever. Oh, okay. That was good thinking on her part. It was good thinking on her part. But you know who she didn't include in that deal? Peter motherfucking Pan. Isn't it weird that the Wicked Witch of the West... When she was making a deal with Rumpelstiltskin to protect herself and her and Robin Hood's baby, she didn't think to include a clause saying, oh, and Peter Pan can't come beat me up either. Okay, I love this show. Yeah, okay, <laughs> like, I mean, I remember how bad the Peter Pan season was, but honest to God, this episode and it's doing it's doing the mashup thing it's doing the ma- like yeah well that was the problem with the peter pan season was that they abandoned all mashups and honestly peter pan was never the problem with the peter pan season anyway peter pan's back y'all yes rumple has hired peter pan to nancy kerrigan zelina zelina meet my father peter pan and peter pan's like i hear you're wicked but i'm much worse and then he throws a sack over her. Yeah, he throws a sack <laughs> over her head. She's a witch! Well, you you know the one weakness of witches. Sacks. Alright, well, so that's the end of this episode. Well, remember that one time where she got tangled up in curtains and fell over? Oh, yeah! I guess just cloth is Selena's weakness. Alright, I guess, okay, okay. So, boy, this, uh, this season's still going, huh? How many more episodes we got? Like a million. Okay, like, I I enjoyed this episode. It was a lot of very high drama, high camp. You know what would have been great? If this was setting us up for the finale. (laughs) And if next week was the finale. But no, no, it's not. It's not, my friends. Yeah. So. Let's talk about the fashion. There was some great stuff here. I, I know this. I think this is probably the last time that they're using Barbara Hershey. Yeah, we were we're leaving Korra maybe two or three Lord of the Rings endings ago, but but she does have an amazing purple outfit in the flashback. All of I feel like they went really over the top to make sure that all of her outfits were really good in her swan song, I suppose. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, yeah, I specifically noticed the purple outfit she wears when she goes to Oz. 
um, which looked like a more old-fashioned version of the outfits Regina wears as the Evil Queen. Regina's outfits have a bustle but then pants underneath it, whereas this was the same style but actually old medieval looking. Mm. I did like, it kind of, it felt like it was more suited for the way they color correct Oz because, you know, each of the realms have a different way of color correcting. Uh Uh-huh. And I felt like she was dressing to pop more in Oz. The purple was very vibrant. I didn't think about that being the reason why, but yes, I absolutely see that. I'm also kind of sad slash dying to see the outfit that Cruella had on under her fur coat. I mean, I know you can't be Cruella without the fur coat. I get it, but... That red dress that she was wearing underneath looked very interesting and had some interesting lines. This isn't strictly fashion corner, but I I forgot to mention it while we were talking about the episode, but I feel like the shots in this episode were really well composed, which isn't something I've thought about in a while. You're right. It seems like they paid more care to this episode than we've gotten for the last few episodes. Yeah. All right, so... I mean, given how much praise we heaped on this episode, you more than me, but I came around. Mm-hmm. Do you actually have anything to say for what this episode should have been instead? I don't think they should have killed James at the end. Honest to God, I think they could have milked more stuff out of James. I mean, I get the twin storyline gives us a lot of things to play with. But are you seriously telling me you want twice as much Josh Dallas? I want more of James and Cruella's relationship. Okay, well, I mean... Like, James is whatever, but he is basically the perfect springboard for Cruella. Yeah, if 50% more Josh Dallas comes with a side order of 200% more Cruella, I guess I'm there for it. Yeah. So I think that'll about do it for this episode, unless you have something you'd like to... Uh... Yeah, I don't I don't have anything else, so... Yeah, this was a this was a good episode. Welcome to Storybrooke is partially listener-supported. If you would like to be one of our supporters, you can go to our website, www.ilovetelevisionzines.com, and click on our Patreon link. You can also listen to old episodes while you're there. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, and Ryan. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you can also rate and review us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash ilovetelevisionzines. We can also be contacted at ilovetvzines on Twitter or at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Storybrooke. I have friends. I definitely have friends. No one can say that I do not have